Here's part one of a two-part Sega CD episode series where Greg and I hang out. We talk about some of our favorite music from the Sega CD library and also get some input from you, the audience, as well. If you're a Patreon supporter, make sure you hang out for the end of the show bonus segment. Greg and I hang out to talk about my experience with the Famicom Mini, also some other retro game topics, and also discussing kind of the, the crazy... Uh, cycle of Microsoft and Sony with the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 and even bringing us into the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 that's coming up for you at the end. And it does mean a lot. Like, if you do enjoy this show, uh, it means so much to have your support at patreon.com slash play. It takes just a couple moments to set up and literally for the, the price of a cup of coffee, you're going to get those bonus segments. And you know, again, it, it really does help me keep this show going. Plus, in that segment, talk a little bit about the future of Back of My Place. I'm working on some really interesting stuff that I think you guys are going to enjoy, not just on the video side, but talking about you know where where the future of Back of My Play is going. So thank you so much to everyone that is supporting the show through that. Uh, again, I hope you enjoyed part one of this two-parter on the Sega CD, uh, the incredible Sega CD video game music library. And uh, again, I'm excited to do some maybe one more music-centric episode before the end of the year talking about the PC Engine and the TurboGrafx-16. I'm going to try to line up some special guests for that, but I, I really love the music of that system. So hope you guys enjoy this one. Again, really appreciate all your support, and let's get right to it. Part one of a two-part Sega CD music episode. Hope you enjoy it. It's Redbook. It's clean. It's awesome CD quality sound. Compressed into MP3, of course. Hello, welcome back to Back in My Play. This is episode number 91. It is finally happening. We are talking about the Sega CD, but we're talking about the most important part of this hardware, and that is, of course, the CD quality sound that we're getting out of that 1X CD drive. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and you know, when I'm going to be talking about Sega, there's only a few people that I'm probably going to call up in this world. You know, I might call up uh, Al Nielsen. I might call up uh, you know, Nakamura, but I'm probably going to end up talking to Greg Seward of Generation 16 and the Player One podcast. Greg, how are you? Good. I'm I'm kind of impressed with the company I'm keeping. Yeah, I mean, I actually uh, recently I, I got back in touch. Or I'm getting back in touch with Al Nielsen to to get him on the show. Holidays are tough for everyone, but you now hopefully people will have plenty of time because. You know, it's not like there's a thousand video games coming out right now to play, and that's uh, yeah, just yeah. the just the way of the world. But yeah, like we we've been kind of going back and forth for the last couple couple like I feel like maybe years about years. doing <laughs> Sega CD stuff. But I I always kind of I I not, I, I kind of pushed it back a little bit because you know there there was a little bit of a hurdle of getting hardware that worked, um, but that was procured, and then. It was about getting the games, and that, as you saw, Greg, before we started recording, I got some official copies of most of the games on the library, uh -huh. and yeah. uh, then it came to, all right, well, what's the first game that we're going to cover for the Sega CD, and we talked a little bit about the hardware on a Patreon-exclusive segment, but I thought maybe the best place to start would be the music, because that's kind of one of the big things that separates this console apart from 
everything else that was coming out around then. It was the Sega CD, and then after that, it was the uh, TurboGrafx CD or the PC Engine CD as well that allowed developers and more so composers to have access to pretty much zero restrictions when it came to the music that they were going to be putting together for these games where beforehand they were going to be restricted by the chipsets. They're going to be restricted by, uh, you know, the extra chips that they could fit inside the carts themselves. And now there, there were no more limits. So it was a really, I would you agree? It was a really weird transition because it's not like they went right from doing chip tunes to, going in and getting an orchestra or getting a, a live band to produce this stuff. So a lot of it was going to be produced on a computer with synthesis or um, other digital means. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's just the way that you phrased it, but it was a little bit backwards. The the PC Engine CD actually came first. That's right. Um, it beat, a, beat the Sega CD by a couple of years, I think. <clears throat> it was actually the... Uh, it came out they, after the, 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 the TurboGrafx... CD came out after the Sega CD in the United States, though. No. Okay. No. I'm wrong on both ends. But anyway, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it wasn't just music. It was everything. There was this weird transition from cartridge or floppy disk-based media to uh, – I shouldn't say floppy disk-based because that's still optical. But over to like this um, – the really huge uh, multimedia revolution. And yeah, like – this wasn't something that I think a lot of video game companies were really ready to deal with just at that point, like Redbook Audio, um, having the ability to basically record whatever you wanted for music as opposed to being restricted by the actual hardware. Mm. Well, I, th- I think for for me, when, when I've always thought about doing, and these are some of my favorite episodes, are the music-based episodes of Back in My Play, you know, whether it be on the NES or the, the Sega Genesis and I promise Super Nintendo is going to be coming soon. And even before that, probably it's going to be the, the PC Engine and Turbo Graphics because I think I think the sound of that hardware might be my favorite of that era. It's such like a... It's a cool sounding system. It's a super cool, like, dude, you just go right to blazing lasers. You can get some yeah. just amazing music. And not to, like, get too deep into this, but I thought, like, the Super Nintendo was almost, like, too clean. Like, it was too... It was too close to like actual music at times, um, with with what they were able to do with um, the instruments on there. But I thought like the PC Engine was just like a really cool in between of like the Famicom and the NES and uh, the the Super Nintendo and in a even a completely different sound from you know the uh, PC synth of the Sega Genesis and Mega Drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, Super Nintendo sounded amazing in the right hands, but it, there was a lot of the really sort of, uh, I'm mostly just saying this to whip people into a frenzy, but a lot of the, uh, really tinny reverb heavy arrow, the acrobat junk. Yeah. That, that <laughs> kind of like would happen otherwise. I needed to say arrow, the acrobat, because otherwise that game would never come up in the history of back of my play. So you know, I am totally ready to do an arrow, the acrobat episode. I've played that game many times. I rented that from, I think that might have been the first game I ever rented from the new blockbuster that opened in town. Um, Really? Because of course I would remember something very specific like that. But for this episode, we're going to be going through, you know, a couple games and a couple tracks from those games. So it's going to be very deep. It's probably like, you know how long this episode is by the time that you're listening to it, but it's probably like three hours long. 
and uh, we're going to go through a bunch of different games. We're going to talk about some specific tracks on there, some cool differences between U.S. and Japanese releases, and uh, hopefully just help you, you know, discover some some really good, like not like straight up, like again, it's very much like in between like Super Nintendo and then what we got on the PS1 and Sega Saturn. It's mm-hmm. a, it was a really cool time of, of music so that, that I've really grown to appreciate over the last couple of weeks that we've been prepping to do this show. So we're going to be doing that. Some tracks from Greg, some tracks from myself, games included, and also from the audience. I reached out on Twitter and we had a lot of great responses from people who mentioned some specific games and tracks, uh, including people like Chris Baker, uh, who who mentioned things like Spider-Man versus Kingpin. Uh, so Eric Martin. Was the composer? No, he was the singer. Lead singer, Mr. Big. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, no way. All right. So, yeah, yep. we're going to get into all of that. And uh, I also want to quickly mention, this might be a weird time to mention it, but I think a lot of these soundtracks also sound a lot like what we're getting on the Neo Geo hardware. Um like because the Neo Geo was also like a a very much like an in between between CD quality sound or like live produced music versus the more digitized stuff that we're getting on the Super mm-hmm. Nintendo, the Genesis, all that stuff. So I don't know. I thought that was worth mentioning. But I think what we'll do is we'll, we're just going to get right into it. And also, let's just talk about some music, Greg. We got a lot okay. of music to talk about, so I want to. I want. I'll, I'll kick it off because I want to talk a little bit about Snatcher because I played. I think I'm about an hour and a half into Snatcher at this point, and I have. I'm slowly growing to appreciate that game in the p- pace that it goes um, mm-hmm. because it's a little bit of a slow burn to to get going, but it's. Um, I, I think one of the things that that game is known uh, so well for is not only uh, it, it's for. It's it's story, it's Kojima craziness, but also the environment and like the atmosphere of that of that game. You know, the art design is a big part of that, but the music is as well, and that's right from the opening.
Like you get to, and I, and I should also preface the cool thing about getting music for this episode is that it is super duper hard to find these game soundtracks online or to even buy them through Amazon Japan. Some of them did come out on CD separately, even though like literally you could pop this into a CD player, all the games and the soundtracks are on there. But for something like Snatcher, you just pop that thing into your CD player. You can get the tracks from the game. But I also got spoiled from the some of the track names of the actual yeah. things that are going on in the game. So maybe not do that if you're going to play some Snatcher. That was the danger, right? I mean, that was a, back in the day. That was the super cool thing. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I, I have this soundtrack now. It's it's right. All I do is put it in my disc player and make sure not to play track one, since that was always the data track. But, uh, but yeah, like something like, say, Lunar... Or really, any game that had um, cutscenes that were fully voiced were normally tracks on the disc. Exactly. So if you listened, you heard the whole story. Yeah, and um, it it is just it, it also shows, and this is probably one thing I should have prefaced real quick before getting to this is it, it shows how little space the the actual you know graphics and the data of the game took up on that on that disc because you would have like 55 and 60 minutes of music Mm -hmm. and and audio on those discs. And those are 70 minute uh, or 650 megabyte discs themselves. So it is just, it it was a really crazy time and it's just fun that it happened. So uh, from Snatcher, I just want to point out that, Again, it's it opens really well as as you like fly over like Neo Tokyo and you have like that really super like cinematic opening scene of like flashes of of the city and the credits coming up and stuff like that and straight out of Blade Runner, of course straight out of Blade Runner and um, this is a trend that you see in a lot of these games that we're going to be talking about. But I think on the Sega CD there is a like a a uh, an abundance of horn usage like trumpets <laughs> no for real like trumpets yeah. and, and saxophones and stuff like that like your brass is is in full effect um and that's just from from snatcher almost to the point where like it it, it sounds somewhat out of place in in what you're actually playing i i have to agree um and i love i, I count snatcher as one of my favorite games ever and I love the soundtrack, but you're absolutely right. I, I even remember back then, I mean, I bought it when it was new and popping it in and playing it, the the music sounded old. I right. got to say, like, it just sounded, it didn't sound modern at all. Although I'm curious because, I mean, I didn't know any, I don't know anything about what was popular in Japan at the time either. So I don't know if, you know, because I mean, if you, if you listen to uh, a lot of popular music from the 80s in the United States, there were a lot of horns. So I'm just curious if they were sort of going through a phase like that as well. Um, like, you know, in the 90s, for us, it was uh, there was a lot more like you heard a lot of piano in, your, in hip hop and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it was weird. But like, maybe maybe that's what was happening. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we could go back in time to, you know, Tokyo sometime you and know go and people. check it out. You can I, figure it out. I do know lots of people. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think the... That that is that's a good point that is worth bringing up because you have these soundtracks that also sound a lot of them do kind of sound like eighties like they sound like mm-hmm. the the soundtrack for the original Terminator.
June 6, 1996, a mysterious explosion destroys the Chernotin research facility near Moscow. Lucifer Alpha, a powerful biological weapon under secret development there, is released into the atmosphere, creating a deadly biohazard. Carried by the trade winds, Lucifer Alpha spreads throughout Eastern Europe and Eurasia, destroying 80% of the populace. Half of the world's people die. The greatest biohazard. You know what I mean? Um, like that weird, not like horror synth, uh, like weird sound that we got from a lot of 80s movies. But I, I think that is. It adds a lot to the charm of, of the soundtracks from the Sega CD. But, you know, Snatcher does, definitely has that in in full effect so I, I think maybe you, you, you hit the nail on the head earlier as well where um, you said they use a lot of synthesizers and that was probably on purpose because again a lot of these places probably didn't have real recording studios so that was the way you would create this music right I mean it's not like you're gonna have it's not like you're gonna not at the budgets they used to have or anything it's not like you're gonna hire the, an orchestra and, and have a you know an actual recording session professional recording session you do what you could, even though I mean, a lot of these companies did have their own house bands, but As they steal their still, bodies in like specifically Konami. Um, exactly. So you know, I, I'm sure I, I sprinkled Snatchers. in some some tracks from Snatcher in in there, and you can you can have I loved them. Heard those horns, but um, that's due to the the magic of of edi- editing. So, Greg, talk to me about Batman Returns. Batman Returns, the Sega CD version, which was. Like most Sega games early on, and actually, um, actually, a lot of the games that I put in my top five slash six. Um, but yeah, Batman Returns was the cartridge game that was uh, re-released on the Sega CD uh, with the addition of some amazing driving sequences. Still, probably some of the most technically impressive stuff you'll ever see on on the Sega CD. Really, sixteen-bit games in general, um, and it. The soundtrack was by Spencer Nielsen, who, if you look him up, uh, did a ton of music for American Sega games in general. Including um, Sonic back, CD. Back in the day, yeah. He actually ran, I believe he ran, or he was one of the people who ran the Sega Music Studio, which mm-hmm. Sega of America actually created a music studio. Um, there were actually albums that came out of that place. Uh, not just video game music as well. But anyway, Batman Returns is one of the first times I remember knowing who he was and um the music especially in the driving sequences was incredible and the way that the game starts out is actually immediately with a driving sequence and it's just sort of got this really the first stage uh, which is track 19 on the dish the disc which is so and i think we'll end up playing uh it it's it's got this really great range where it, it sort of gets to this sort of screaming guitar section and it's just again, like you say, it's it's very sort of late eighties, early nineties. It's it's very of its time, but it really pumped you up.
that first stage. That along with what you were seeing when you were playing for the first time is just like, there was nothing like it. That was one of the games that <clears throat> when I first fired it up, I was like, this is one of the reasons I wanted a Sega CD. Like, this is, this is a showpiece. The, doing research for the Sega CD episode, uh, for the Sega CD music episode, was uh, it, it was very hard to get a good jumping off point for this because, like, we look at the the coverage of, of retro video games and video game music, and there there is a severe emphasis on you know stuff coming from the Famicom, and the NES, even the Sega Genesis, the, of mm-hmm. course, the Super Nintendo, um, but. I feel like you know once we got once we got into CD based media, the the music is not really as uh, appreciated outside of like like what like Tommy Tallarico would would be doing in, in Terminator and stuff like that. Just because you know you would hear his name over and over and over again for video game music over the next you know decade decade and a mm-hmm. half. Um, so this is again hopefully it's a little bit of a discovery for for everyone out there, but. The the cool thing that you'll see is that the the music is again it continues to be unique, but also you just get like really cool high fidelity versions of some awesome video game music genres, like genres uh, like role playing games with Lunar the Silver Star. This is a game that was mm-hmm. brought up multiple times from people on Twitter when I was asking, like, you know, hey guys, what what is going to be like your favorite Sega CD soundtrack, or what are your favorite tracks from the Sega CD? Lunar came up uh, a ton. think this is something that uh, you might not have I can't remember if the PSP version also offered the original soundtrack on there or if it was rearranged I think it was rearranged yeah that's what I think so um, again pulling that soundtrack up and it just sounds like an, an, an incredible awesome JRPG soundtrack that has no limits still has that unique sound like you could listen to that 
it's kind of like listening to um, like Etrian Odyssey soundtracks today where like Yuzo Koshiro really has no limits when he does that stuff, but it still has like, it feels like you're going back to like 1992 and you're, you know, running around those mazes uh, with some Super Nintendo music on, um, although, you know, orchestrated as well. Unless you, hmm. you can also get the uh, FM synth version too, or the PC-88 version as well. Man, he did so many different versions of those soundtracks. Anyways, uh, that was some music from Lunar the Silver Star. We got a lot of people talking about specifically the intro to that game. Um, and I want to make sure, you know, I, I love having participation from people uh, on the show, but I, I think you know, a lot of people were, were mentioning, like I said, A, the intro. Um, Ian uh, Addy said, uh, the intro from Lunar is one I'll never forget. Um, so that is probably the one we're going to play, but that's a that's a super deep soundtrack. And also, uh, Michael Powell said, Lunar, the Silver Star, attract mode song, one million times better than the PS1 version. Uh, yeah, I mean, talking about something that sounds dated, though, uh, that, that Lunar intro song, absolutely, especially when they get into that section where they're scratching. Mm-hmm. It's just a little bit like, oh, okay, that's... That's interesting, you know, in this this story about swords and dragons, and but I mean, I loved it too, and I listen to that intro over and over and over again. Okay, so I would I don't want to start with this game, but I'm going to go all the way back up to the top of my list and talk about Sonic CD. And this is probably going to be a lengthy discussion, a lengthy back and forth, uh, almost to the, I mean, this might be like, this could be a whole episode within itself, and I'm sure it's going to be something that we get to whenever we do Sonic CD. But obviously, there, there's two completely separate soundtracks based on the release with the European and Japanese release having one version of the soundtrack and then a completely redone version by Sega of America uh, for the United States where Spencer Spencer Nielsen comes back up again, mm-hmm. including David Young and Mark Crew. So I think it's uh, the best thing I could do is play a couple of comparisons between the two soundtracks for, for a couple of the stages. And what I'm not going to do is play, you know, the past versions and the, like the bad future versions, but just play the main track that you have for those stages. And when I discovered the Sonic CD soundtrack, I think it was, it was, I feel like it was back during when I was at Game Trailers because for some reason, uh, and you know what it was? I think it was that is when the game was getting ready to come out on PSN and Xbox Live because uh, they must have been like at E3 or something like that. And you had the option of switching between the U.S. version and the Japanese version of of the soundtrack, and that was a really big deal as a selling point for for people because you know here in the states, like we had to quote unquote suffer with the U.S. version of the soundtrack. And when people heard the Japanese version, it was a complete night and day difference uh, for people. Uh, before we we get into these tracks, Greg, 
Mm-hmm. Did did you have a like when did you learn about this this I guess superior Japanese Sega Sonic CD soundtrack? Uh pretty quickly because there was a big controversy. Well, big in in this is like video an game e- nerd e- circles. Um, because no game fan because game fan originally <laughs> scored the game really high mm-hmm. and then a month later re-reviewed the game and i forget how much they dropped it by but it was it was a ridiculous amount oh, because, because they the imported the japanese version and then they well, got exactly. the US version I mean, diehard game fan was a game import right. company right that's how they started so yeah um it was it was known pretty early on and i remember uh a buddy of mine and i I forget how we tracked down the soundtrack because, I mean, it wasn't like you could just download a bunch of MP3s back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did track it down. And, yeah, we thought it was pretty awesome, too. Although, I got to say, I kind of like the Spencer Nielsen soundtrack. I don't. I won't argue which one is superior and which one isn't. I just think they both offer something completely different. I mean, the Japanese soundtrack, as we've probably heard at this point, is like really sort of heavy electronic dance music. Um where Spencer Nielsen went like a completely different direction. I don't like, I think if, if you mix, if you took all those tracks, you, you, you put them in a bag and you shook them up and you just like put them, like you mix the U S soundtrack and the Japanese soundtrack and put it into one game. I, I bet like, you know, I, I wouldn't do a really good job of saying like, Oh, that's obviously the Japanese version as someone that hasn't heard them a bunch because it's not like the tone is drastically different between them like they're still setting you know similar tones whether it be you know here is palm tree panic and what i'll do is i will play uh the u.s version in a second and then this is like the song that i back when i was at game trailers i did a podcast called red zone gamer podcast and i did with uh with uh james anderson who was another one of the interns and i believe um I forget who else was was on that show, but anyways, uh, we we did that and like I started a bunch of the episodes with that first track from Sonic CD, the US version, because I kind of like loved the tropical. <laughs> I loved like the tropical sound of it. definitely fit the, the the look of that level right i mean it, it, it were shades of the green hill zone in that right. opening level and and yeah i thought it i thought it did a good job um capturing the mood of it and i also think that it's worth pointing out i mean you know there's been controversy about this and and debate about this for a long time but i did love the fact that if you played like sonic generations sonic boom made it into that the american theme song made it in and so did uh so did the stardust speedway um, music, which is great. The 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 uh, 
that was a Stardust Speedway. Anyway, it was the it was the level where you're actually racing uh, Mecha Sonic or Metal mm-hmm. Sonic. I forget which one it was in that. So you know, I, I love that it's sort of now begun to sort of coexist with the Japanese soundtrack as opposed to being the bad version. Um, I really love the sort of jazzy sound that that the American uh, soundtrack gave to the game, and I also loved that the that uh, Nielsen used vocals in a lot of the tracks. It, it added something you didn't normally hear back then. Um, it really added another level to it. Yeah, and I will continue to to play uh, the the Japanese version now of Palm Tree Panic. Again, and I think when you kind of look at uh, Collision Chaos, it's another. Another uh, like track head to head where you could look at both of them and be like, yeah, these are both really good. Like there isn't one that um, like really is is that superior to me. But I can I can totally understand why some people would find one uh, better than the other. I, I guess to be fair, um, but I think this is one of the the more crazier. Maybe like you said, it goes all the way back to Game Fan where you know people just wanted to get something to uh, want to get worked up about something and. I mean, luckily, we live in a world today where we can get get it on Xbox Live Arcade, 
which is also backwards compatible on Xbox One, Sonic CD, or get the PSN version on your PlayStation 3 and play it. The, the only crappy thing about that is that, uh, as far as I know, Sega actually doesn't have the rights to the original intro song for the game. So in the versions you just mentioned, you don't get the actual intro that you got back in the day on the Japanese version. The, the lyrics are gone. You're right. So the the 2011 re-release of Sonic CD features the original soundtrack, although the inclusion of the North American soundtrack was initially uncertain due to licensing issues. It was later revealed that the North American soundtrack was to be included with the option to switch between the two soundtracks. However, both Sonic, You Can Do Anything, and Cosmic Eternity, Believe in Yourself, were replaced by instrumental versions as the rights of the lyrics belong to Casey Rankin. Right, which is too bad because those songs are the lyrics are crazy. Like they're they're so worth hearing. And you can um you can to- like I totally forgot about this, but I I somewhat remember like seeing this uh this in like a Best Buy ad back in the day. But Sonic CD was even ported to PC CD ROM, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. But yep. uh, if you want to boot up Windows ninety five and and pop that thing in there, you can go give it give it a shot. But yeah, Sonic CD is, is a game that you can play on pretty much anything today, including your iPhone. So if you want, you can uh, you know surely f- track down a way to play it, uh, including, I believe, there is a, a copy on Steam as well if you want to get access to any of that stuff. Yep, there is. So, Greg, I want you to talk to me about Echo the Dolphin and make sure that you mention which Echo the Dolphin, <laughs> because I can't even believe that they made two of these games for the Sega CD. Well, they're both great. Um, yeah, but again, another cartridge game that are came to Are they great to, like, or are they... They're, they're great, great. 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 Great mm, games. Right. easy games they're they're edited in ziata games which means they're too hard all these games were i still um, love that story from console wars about him like sitting at the i think it was like a like an awards show or it was like their summer 
like uh, like marketing conference or something like that, and just talking to Kalinsky about maybe it was Kalinsky or, or Nielsen about his crazy idea for Echo the Dolphin. Yeah, there was a whole uh, video I watched recently about um, some other some crazy like mad scientist research into dolphins that they're pretty sure. Um, was an inspiration for Annunziata as well. But yeah, it was an Ed Annunziata game, so really hard. All his games were like X-Men and Chican and um, I forget some of the other ones, but they were they were difficult. Um, <clears throat> but I believe this is Spencer Nielsen again, um, and I believe that he did the original cartridge version soundtracks, but when he ended up doing the remake uh, for the Sega CD... The only way to describe the music is gorgeous. It's just there's something about it. Like there's no more atmospheric music on any game on the Sega CD period and maybe even in the 16-bit era at all. Um, it just so beautifully fits the underwater aesthetic of the game. Um, but it's never um, – it's always just feels like atmosphere. It doesn't – It doesn't. you know, it does, it's not a high-tempo – soundtrack uh it doesn't really try to match what's happening on the screen it just tries to sort of set a tone and it does a really incredible job i mean and and both games have great soundtracks the first and the second one um we were going through and writing out like our favorite tracks in the uh, show notes here and and like my bullet here is that really any track on this on this Mm. disc you can pick and it sounds incredible can i talk to you about another listener uh comment and that is on a game that I never knew existed until tonight, Afterburner 3. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, Afterburner 3, which, you know, again, going back and kind of digging some stuff up on it, uh, was released in the arcade. And uh, aside from the Sega CD, also on the FM Towns, which I need to go, I need to get one of those. I want to import one of those computers so I can play just some like sick Japanese computer games, or at least I got to figure out a way to emulate that stuff because there's some amazing soundtracks on that thing. Um, and I believe it was used for development of, of some of the, the soundtracks as well that are very famous. 
So the thing about Afterburner 3, which I'm sure you noticed because you looked it up on Wikipedia, is that it wasn't actually an Afterburner game. It was a sequel to G-Lock that they just called Afterburner 3. Why would a company do something like that? Because who the hell's heard of G-Lock? I don't know. I had a, I think I had it for the Sega Genesis for a little bit. Yeah, he might have. Um, or Strike Fighter, which is what it was called in the arcade. Strike this Fighter. Game. But yeah, you're right. The, this soundtrack is... Uh, a few years ago, I did a Sega CD soundtrack episode for um, another podcast I can't remember the name of right now. But um, this was... The title track for this was one of the ones that I played because it's the classic afterburner theme but it just sounds awesome it's like totally rocking the whole time it's it's really really good what a weird thing to do afterburner 3 use a track from afterburner that you redo but it is a sequel to g-lock i don't know maybe um, what are you gonna do what, what are you gonna do i'll probably pull up my game gear and play my copy of g-lock um g-lock. The F-14 Tomcat, caged lightning with million-dollar missiles and a Vulcan 20-millimeter cannon. You'll need every ounce of firepower this plane can offer for your current mission. Command headquarters let you know this morning that the enemy is building airfields and bases all over the desert. They're protecting those bases with squadrons of their best interceptors. Your job is to take out those bases. If you have to knock down a few enemy planes, so much the better. Just you and your F-14. With a good pilot... It's Holy Terror. With you, it should be unstoppable. You know, again, some some continuing to, to go through some But it doesn't matter where we're at right now because we're about to turn this S up to 11 with... One of my favorite CD-based games of all time, uh, a game that was one of my reasons to purchase a PC Engine Duo R and spend 400 bucks on that, and that's Lords of Thunder for the PC Engine, of course, but in this case, we're talking about the Sega CD. And the Lords of Thunder is a, a, a an incredible uh, horizontal shooter, and it is backed up by just some kick-ass early 90s, just ripping guitars, hair metal. hair metal, just like slapping bass, just like... Like, it is just like super good, top to bottom. And like, the cool thing about it is that like, right from, you know, the the, the opening title screen to like when you like select uh, your, your armor...
and then you go into a stage. And then you go into a boss battle and you're just like going super hardcore and then you complete the game and it's just like a rock ballad at the end. just like it's perfect just like a little ballad just like chill and you know you know singing for you know the 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 girlfriend that you're trying to get back kind of rock ballad and also it's uh the the continue track is like really good it's like you're gonna continue and it's just like (laughs) making you want to you know either use a code to get more continues or just press like, start. Hell yeah, I want to continue. Yeah, it's like, it's like, <laughs> well, obviously I played it, but um, it is, it's 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 a special game that was so good that it also had a sequel, of course, Gates of Thunder, which did not come out on the Sega CD, but... It's the other way around, by the way. Uh, so, oh, Lords Gates of Thunder was a sequel to Gate of Thunder. Okay, well, thanks for clearing that up. No problem. Man, why would I think that? Because I used to own both on the PC Engine, but that's what happens when you don't know these platforms as well as some of the other things that's what happens so uh greg thanks for cleaning it up you're such an expert of video game history <laughs> um also i think it's worth mentioning that uh t apostrophe s t's music uh which was a, a a music creation house i guess um had members that had done soundtracks or arrangements to games like outrun 
and Final Fight CD, which, you know, believe it or not, folks, we're probably going to end up talking about that tonight. Um, and even as uh, more recent games like Super Monkey Ball 1 and Super Monkey Ball 2. So, yeah, I think uh, Lords of Thunder is a, is a must-play game. It is a, is a, it is a CD-based game, like an early CD game, uh, just absolute foundation of going and, and checking that stuff out if you'd never had a Sega CD or a PC Engine CD. Um, but yeah, so, 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 so good. And if you do have a PC Engine CD, check out Gates of Thunder, also an incredible soundtrack. And yeah, like super fun and totally uh, beatable uh, horizontal shooting shooting games. And totally really beatable. different, right? Because wasn't that more of a like traditional like sort of spaceship shooting game as opposed to like Lord of Thunder is, aren't you like a dude, like a barbarian type dude with a sword or something like that? No, and in, in both you actually do have swords. Where if you oh, get you? like okay. really close to something, instead of like continuing to fire your your weapon, you actually use a a sword. To be honest, my memory is is a little bit fuzzy on on gates at this point because, but I played uh, Lords of Thunder not two hours ago, so I can give you a little bit of fresher impression uh, on that. But yeah, Lords of Thunder is is super super good and. Um, I don't know it was kind of like like Twin B, but obviously you're continuing to go in one direction because like you know you can purchase items, you can purchase upgrades, you can purchase health, and you're constantly picking up money and things like that. So it is a uh, it's a really it's a really cool game, and it's just like will make you like you know nod your head throughout the whole time and want you to uh, grow out super long hair, which Greg and I don't have. So yeah. uh, what? Sorry, one more thing there that I think I, I want to. I'm trying to find the source for this, but I can't right now. I'm pretty sure I, I saw this in a, a a video or read it somewhere recently. I think the music was actually rearranged for the Sega CD version. They're the same tunes, but they're it's a different, different arrangements. It's yeah, a, it is a little different. Yeah, so still amazing though. Still ripping. Yeah, ripping exactly. So let's want to throw up the horns. Yeah, let's talk about the complete opposite of awesome. Let's talk about Final Fight. Why? Why? Why do you have to be that way? Uh, well, let's let's you know give the audience a little bit of background because. Um, so okay, I did uh, play uh, the majority of Final Fight CD. Yeah, and the let me just say the animation of that game is still terrible. Um, it's an old game. What do you want? No, but it's not close to the the arcade version. Like especially when you pick up a weapon, like the weapon stays behind you as your yeah, arm comes forward. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. They forgot some frames. But I'll uh, tell you what's awesome about it: the music. the The music's okay. The voice acting is 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 uh, the Last of Us tier. Um, and I think if there's anything good to come of you buying Final Fight CD is to not put the CD in your Sega CD, but to put the CD in a CD uh, slash cassette boombox.
outside and just do some yard work or something like that. Really, yard work? I think I think you would get fired up to do some yard work with with that. But again, it's like like I think Final Fight City is just such a weird like in between uh, planes of existence of music where it doesn't really have a home because of how much of a it, it, it is just like it again it, it's totally sega cd music it's so weird yeah it is absolutely uh it's got a, the same uh qualities as we've been talking about again with lords of thunder and and um even some batman returns in a way where you just sort of got that the sort of screaming hair band style and it still soundtrack. sounds like metallic, right? Like I, I think yeah. that's that's a thing that is is common to a lot of these games. It's not like the the Sega Genesis or Mega Drive, like how that can sound metallic, but it just sounds like it doesn't like, sound um, like you use real instruments. Yeah, it sounds like like hyper clean and uh, and just like super sampled. But I loved it. Yeah, the other thing with Final Fight, if the way you're describing the music actually kind of fits the way the game sort of fit into the the whole uh, pantheon of Genesis games, because this is this game is much older than Streets of Rage, but Streets of Rage existed by the time this came out on the Sega CD, and Streets of Rage was better in every single way. So you know, I mean, I I know you've got this strange hatred for this game, but hey, this was a better version, and the, the soundtrack was kicking; it was great. I, you totally would pump that through your stereo speakers and right. yeah man you wanted to beat some beat the crap out of some goons I mean statistically Final Fight is not a good game um, I think we've been able to prove that through the course of science even, has proven that now science has proven that and you know it, it, we just need to go to, like street wise you know man like let's talk about the Final Fight uh, Revenge Oh God! Let's talk. Let's talk about the only good Final Fight game, which is Mighty Final Fight. Although, you know, if we're gonna be if we're gonna be fair, Final Fight Three is kind of cool. Final Fight Two. I'm sucks. not going with you on that. Final Fight Three is actually kind of cool. Like I, that if we ever did a Final Fight episode again, it would be Final Fight Three.
And that's going to wrap up this first part of a two-part Sega CD Music series. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're a Patreon supporter, hang out. And if you aren't a Patreon supporter, again, it's a great time to become one at patreon.com slash back in my play. You guys are going to be supporting this podcast, uh, helping me produce it every single week because especially for episodes like this, it takes a lot more time to produce and track all the, the music down for it. But it means a lot. It means that you really believe in what I am doing with back in my play and your support means so, so much. You can even make a one-time or a monthly donation through PayPal at backofmyplay.com, and you'll get those same benefits. I'll hook you up with them as well if you if that's just easier for you to use PayPal for all that stuff. So thank you so much for, for tuning in. Uh, again, if you're a Patreon supporter, hang out. We got some more stuff coming up for you. And I always just want to make sure that I remind you guys, if you do have any feedback for me, Kevin at backofmyplay.com, you can always shoot me an email. You guys that do email me know that I get back to you super quick, and I love just talking with the audience. So hope you guys enjoyed this first parter. Don't forget to check back in next week for part two, where we're going to be talking about games like Road Rash, talking about games like, oh man, Lunar 2. We're going to be talking about Popful Mail, Shining Force CD, tons of great music coming up for you guys. So thanks again for hanging out. Hope you have a great week, weekend, and don't forget to play some retro games. They're some of the best. We'll see you next time.